Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Catalyst Podcast. I'm your host, Maxwell Roy. My guest today is Roy Cambronero. Roy is a financial advisor and the director of growth and development for Northwestern Mutual. Roy's story is one that I find inspiring on many levels, whether it be his wild birth story, uh, the environment that he grew up in as a youth, to serving the community in nonprofit work, and then his country in, in serving through the Army. Roy's story, in my opinion, has had so much to it already, but yet it feels like it's just beginning. Roy's on the path to making a significant difference in his life, his family's life, and his community. So strap in and enjoy, and thank you again. All right, we're live. So Roy, welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. Um, for everyone listening, I'm your host, Maxwell Roy. I appreciate you all coming in to listen in. Uh, so my guest today is Roy Cambronero. Uh, he and I were introduced a couple of months ago. Um, and we were introduced by a, a, a woman by the name of Denisha Tate, uh, someone that I met about a year ago, uh, who's really been um, really helpful and influential in my in my journey the last year. And she introduced Roy and I, and uh, we were talking. It didn't take very long for me to realize that Roy has something something going in his life that allows him to achieve success. And he has a really, really cool story um, that I'm excited for everyone to hear about. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what I'm excited for is that Roy is another individual uh, on top of the list of individuals I've interviewed so far, where it's a different story. It's a different background, but yet it's still success. Um, so Roy, welcome. I appreciate you coming on today. I'm excited. Thanks, Maxwell, man. It was like, like you mentioned, it was a, it was a pleasure meeting you not too long ago uh, from Denisha as a good friend of mine that I met actually through the clubs, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Milwaukee. And uh, yeah, she was like, hey, you got to meet Maxwell. You guys will hit it off, connect with him. He's a good, good dude. And, and, uh, and she was right. So I'm really grateful that she connected us. Yeah. And I, I always appreciate that good feedback. That's always good stuff. Yeah. So and I, for, I already forgot, too, that you were part of the Boys and Girls Club. You know, I, yeah. I just recently met another individual that I was confusing in my head. He was telling me how he was with the Boys and Girls Clubs, but he was Kenosha, and I forgot you were Milwaukee. So. Yeah, I was in Milwaukee, yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Well, I'm sure that, that that will play into your story a little bit here in terms of how you value community in the, the, the city of Milwaukee. But um, before we dive into uh, the nuts and bolts of, of really teasing out what makes Roy tick, what lessons have you learned, what makes you successful, um, I just want to start where, where, where it's simple is tell us, tell us about you. Yeah, for sure. So, so my origin story, if you would, right? So my parents actually met, I'll start with them, at South Division High School in, in the south side of Milwaukee uh, in Wisconsin. And um, yeah, there uh, they met and they got together, got married. My mother got married at a really young age. She was married, uh, she got married off to my dad at age 17. My family was real old school in that way. Like my grandma was like, hey, get married and you're out of the house. And so my mom ended up having me at the age of 18, so like a year after. Uh, but I was actually born in Costa Rica. And so um, how that happened was, uh, and my dad is very transparent about this, and he's, a, he's like my best friend and a great testimony, but he, he was involved in, in the drug trade uh, really early on in his life. That's actually how he came to this country. Um, and that's a reason why I was actually born in Costa Rica was he took off. 
um, because some some a deal of his and a friend went sour. They had to leave the country. My mom didn't know, uh, but she was young and she was alone, and so she chased after him. And uh, she was young, where she didn't really understand that she couldn't fly back after a certain uh, after she was so far gone in the pregnancy, right? So ended up being born in Costa Rica. And uh, man, I just a credit to her because she was young, young girl in a country where she didn't know anybody. Um, and my dad really wasn't around because of, again, his lifestyle. And I'll share his story and testimony because he's not that person. Um, and he's been a motivation to me. But yeah, at the time, like, yeah, he, he wasn't around. And, and I saw, I ended up visiting the place where I was born. And this is, there's, there's no exaggeration here. It was on the side of a mountain. Um, and actually the place is abandoned now. And I went to go see it. My dad took me, we went to uh, like on a vacation there and it was like awful of vines and, you know, this, this dense rainforest in Costa Rica. So it was, it was abandoned. It was crazy looking. And so I just had a higher respect for my mom because that was a maternity ward. So there was no doctors. It was just uh, like a nurse and then a bunch of uh, ladies helping. And then it was a, it was a room full of just women uh, having kids, uh, no medicines, no epidurals, none of that, none of that stuff that you get access here. And so, you know, young woman, you know, at age 18, having me there. And then we, uh, then when I was about six months old, they came back. So I was raised in South side of Milwaukee, right? So, uh, born in Costa Rica, but raised in Milwaukee. My mother, her, her background is Puerto Rican. So she's Puerto Rican and my father's Costa Rican. Uh, and so that's my heritage. Um, yeah, and so I grew up in the south side of Milwaukee, and then uh, the early part of my life um, was around a lot of the, the stereotypical stuff that you saw in the, the late 80s and 90s in the south side of Milwaukee, Chicago area, which was a lot of like organized gangs, right? So because of my dad and, and his lifestyle, and then even some of my, the kids I grew up with and, and, you know, relatives were in that world, right? Gangs, drugs, violence. And so I was though fortunate enough to have uh, people in my life, mentors, and a couple of family members that were really involved in the community that I was able to attach myself to them and what they were doing. And so even though every now and then you get sucked into that by association, that, that lifestyle, I was never involved in any of that. Like I never was involved in, in gangs heavily and drugs, any of that stuff. I was actually working in nonprofits. So as soon as I was old enough, you know, I started volunteering at the, the Milwaukee Christian Center. That's, uh, they're, uh, they're on 14th and National in Milwaukee, but when I was a, a member there, it was on 23rd and Greenfield. And so, um, yeah, so I was volunteering, I played basketball, so I was really into sports. So that, that helped me stay out of trouble as much as I could. Um, and, you know, at an early age, I, I realized like, man, I wanted to help. I wanted to be a part of the solution and not contributing to the problem. Uh, because those of People that were around in, in Milwaukee in those times, uh, especially in the early mid '90s, it was he gangs were heavy, right? Organized gangs were really heavy, and uh, it was dangerous. It was wild, and so um, you know, seeing that and and being to too many funerals at a young age, and you know, too many of my friends locked up and, and all that stuff, I, I knew I, that's not the path that I wanted to. And then the exposure that I got at a young age from my father, right? So. Um, yeah, he was, you know, in, in, dr drug abuser, womanizer, uh, physically abusive, all that stuff. 
Um, but he changed his life. He, he, he found, you know, he found Christ and he, he, he gave his life. Uh, this was years after though, my, him and my mother got divorced when I was like about seven or eight. And then, yeah, he, he, he became extremely spiritual. And, and like I said, he's like my best friend now. He's, he's actually helped me a lot in, in, in my journey as a man and as a father because of his humility um, and changing his life and apologizing and asking for forgiveness. That's a, that's a big deal, right? And especially in, you know, culture, community, the Latino community and culture, especially the, it's a, it's an old school male dominated, you know, macho type of, you know, culture. I think it's changing, which is a good thing, but you know, at that time, that's how it was. And for him to, to do that was, was huge. It was extremely powerful. So that's why I share that part of the story because it's important uh, in my process and growth. And so, um, yeah, so at a young age, again, I was exposed to all that. So I knew, like, I had trauma from that. Like, hey, I didn't want to be a part of that stuff. I wanted to help. And so got involved in the nonprofits. And, and an uncle of mine who was very prominent in the community years ago, Ramon Candelaria, he, he actually worked at the Christian Center uh, and then helped run the Latino Community Center years later and done a lot of stuff in the community. He was somebody that I attached myself to. Uh, and then my cousin, too, Hector Colon, who's was pretty well known in the Milwaukee community as well. He was another uh, inspiration and an example for me to follow. Like, hey, this is how you become successful in, in the community at a young age. That, those are the people that I looked up to when I was in my youth and, and then currently now too. So yeah, so I ended up working and volunteering at the Milwaukee Christian Center. Uh, when I got old enough, I got my work permit and I started working there as a youth advisor. And um, yeah, when I hit high school, I, my grades were good enough where I was able to um, get a scholarship and go to a Wisconsin Lutheran High School. So this was before choice, right? So there was no such thing as choice at the time, but I got good enough grades where this church that we belong to, uh, Christ St. Peter Lutheran on the south side of Milwaukee, which is on 22nd and Greenfield, that's how I ended up going to the Christian Center all the time. Um, they said, hey, you've, you, had the best grades in the class you know here here's a scholarship and they paid for me to go to Wisconsin Lutheran High School and so they paid for me for my first three years um, but then my senior year I stopped going to church right so it was the contingency was like when you turn 18 you got to become a member of the, the Lutheran Church and then we'll continue to pay I didn't I started going to like non-denominational churches and so they said, oh, you're, you're no longer getting your scholarship. And so I ended up working and paying for my last year of high school. Um, and at the time I was working at the Latino Community Center. And so I paid, <laughs> paid my way through high school. And that was a unique experience. That was a, a big culture shock for me going to that school. It's a lot more diverse now. Um, they do have choice now. But uh, before that, um, there was very little diversity at that school. Um, you know, the only other like Hispanic kid really that I knew of, it was a kid that I graduated with from my elementary school that he came with me. Um, and there was a handful of, it wasn't a huge high school, it was only about a thousand students, but you know, I knew every single person of color that went there. Um, and so uh, it was a very small group. So like, culturally it was a big learning experience for me. Um, and, but I, I appreciate it because it, it exposed me to another world that I know a lot of people that I came up with didn't get exposed to, but allowed me to learn how to be able to, to maneuver through, through different groups of people, have conversations, uh, and, and somewhat be a chameleon. And so that, that really helped me um, really grow 
right, in, in ways that I know people around me didn't. And so I'm, I'm super blessed and, and appreciative of that. And then um, right after I graduated, ended up, um, I didn't have the kid, but I ended up getting someone pregnant and she had a kid, my first daughter. Um, and so I was at UW-Milwaukee for a semester and then I dropped out because the baby came and then her mother got a scholarship to Marquette. And so I was like, you know what? Uh, it was a full ride for nursing. I was like, I'll work, just focus on school. You got a scholarship, I didn't. And so I started working in the, the nonprofit sector. So at the time, I, it was my high school job, was at the Latino Community Center, and I continued that uh, job. And I ended up working in South Division High School, specifically working for the Milwaukee Violence Free Zone. Uh, and they're still around in Milwaukee. It's a, it's a big national organization, uh, but it, in Milwaukee was kind of one of the main spots where it really blossomed. And what we did was we worked with the top 10% most disruptive kids in the, the high schools in the inner city. And so, you know, we were at the time, we were at South Division High School, which was my site, Bayview. Uh, I know Vincent was around, um, Tech, Bradley Tech in Milwaukee, um, and a few other few other schools. Uh, now it's it's expanded and it's in a number of sites. And I know the the Milwaukee Christian Center now is the main uh, one of the main uh, organizations that run it now. And then Running Rebels also. And so, yeah, we did we did that program. And I was I was 19 working in a high school mentoring other high school kids. Uh, mind you, I, I graduated right now. I'm, I'm out, but it, it was funny because I was like, hey, you can't can't say your age, right? For the yeah. longest until it was like a couple years later. And then they were like, oh yeah, you're 20 something. And they're like, well, hold on, man. You've been here for like three years already. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and so- well, I think I think what you're speaking at though, like uh, we, we have this all the time at the Boys and Girls Club. Like a lot of our staff are, they're young. Like sometimes we'll have high schoolers, right? And yeah. we, we try to avoid putting them like, let's just say, especially with the high school kids, definitely no go zone. Um, but like even middle schoolers, like you, you want to avoid that. But what I want to tease out real quick, and there's, there's actually, as you talk, I, there's a couple of things that I'll probably come back to, but thing I want to tease out real quick is, um, I mean, there's so many things. Uh, we'll, and we'll get to them. I swear. Yeah. I, I got a, like a page of notes already, but just th this latest one. So you're 19 years old your wife or well sorry girlfriend girlfriend has a child yeah. um she goes to, to marquette you understand that she has an opportunity and you were able to kind of sacrifice you know sacrifice what you could have done or maybe what you wanted to go do so that way she can go and have this opportunity to provide for you know to, to provide for your child right in the future um so you take up a flag where you go back to that nonprofit world and you're 19 years old and you're able to mentor kids. And I think, you know, what I want to highlight is I think the, the story you've told already from your family, uh, from the beginning. I mean, you were you know, born in Costa Rica, right? Uh, you know, your mother had no, no support really from a, a medical, uh, uh, medical standpoint. Um, so that in itself, I don't want to, I don't like to use the word miracle, but in a sense like that's, that, that there's a really high chance that Roy doesn't come into existence because of that story. And then you find yourself in the south side of Milwaukee during a time where you mentioned there's gangs, there's drugs, there's violence, but yet you were able to find an avenue to engage yourself um, in a positive way. So again, I don't like to use the word miracle, but I think you could probably speak to how many kids fell into that trap compared to those that didn't. 
And so you found yourself again, you, you were, the odds were stacked against you yet you, you came out. Um, and now, you know, then you, you found yourself volunteering, you found yourself working in nonprofits. Again, another probably unlikely story from the place where you were coming from. And so now you're 19 years old and you're giving back uh, in ways that I, I, you know, even think to now I'm, I'm 28, you're 32, soon to be 33. A lot of folks even now struggle with that idea of how do I give back and engaging themselves in, in a, a day-to-day life process that, that honestly helps them. It, I should say it this way. A lot of people I think don't engage themselves enough in a healthy process of life uh, to avoid falling into these traps, but it seems like you've developed a way, a mentality, uh, a set of, of foundational principles that keep you moving forward in a really strong way. So at 19, because um, I know there's obviously been a lot of growth for, for you since 19, at 19, you, you had enough to be able to mentor kids in high schools that, you know, by, you know, by statistics are some of the most tough high schools in the state of Wisconsin. So how is it at 19, in your perspective, you were able to do so much for others when you yourself weren't much, at least in terms of age, separated from those that you were looking to give back to? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, and I reflect and I look back because when I was going through it, I didn't think about it, right? I was just like living life. But as yeah. I reflect, you know, and we talk about that, I'm like, dang, like, what was I thinking? Like, what, how did I get into that, that situation? Um, and really what it is was the mentors that I had. Um, so my uncle, again, I, I mentioned him earlier, Ramon Candelaria, he, he took me under his wing, right? And he was, he was a father figure for me. And he forced me to, to like, he, he ran a very successful, very successful programs through the Milwaukee Christian Center, and then um, became the executive director of the Latino Community Center. And they did some incredible things for a lot of years. And when that was happening, and he was on the rise, he was, he was getting exposed to a lot of opportunities and different things. And so what he did was he threw me, you know, he baptized me by fire, where I would be in interviews with the different executives coming through, the funders, uh, interviews on, on the news, newspapers. And so, and then he would like work with interview questions on with me and, and just prep me in a good way. And this was at like the age of like 10, 12, you know, I was really young. And so he was conditioning me for that. Uh, like really early. And so that that's a huge, for me, that's a huge uh, reason. I believe that by the time I was 19, I was already prepped, professional, proper, um, in a lot of different ways and, and could articulate myself and, and just the life lessons. I was able to really, you know, meditate and internalize the stuff that I went through and understand like, oh no, this was a, this was a, a growing thing for me, like the abuse and and, and the, yeah. the violence and all that stuff, I was able to say, oh, yeah, I can use that as a weapon uh, in a good way, as opposed to it being something that, that stops me. And so, um, and then credit to my mother and my father as well, um, their work ethic, how they became successful, because it was, it was interesting. Uh, we, were, we didn't have much. We were really poor growing up, right? Even though my dad was big into that fast life and money, we never saw that. And then he lost it all, right? And then had to rebuild. Um, but even my mom, like she's successful now, but out, not when we were kids, right? Like, so I got to watch that journey and get to see that firsthand on how that happened. And so again, that stuff helped condition me 
uh, to be in that situation where I could mentor people at the age of 19. And I'm a, I'm a very spiritual guy too. So I, I give credit to God always. And so um, that's the number one, I feel. Um, yeah. and, and again, that's like the easy answer um, for, in this form, right? Like if people say, well, yeah, you could just say, give it up to God, but, but which I think that's the most important at the end of the day, that's, that's it. But, um, but those little things of what, what position I was put in the mentors that I had, I, I believe that was what helped me be in that position to do that stuff so early. Yeah. I always think about mentors and I think that's something I, I hope uh, our listeners are really piecing into. Cause one of the things uh, that I've discovered is similar to you. I've had, I've had the, the, the ability to have several mentors now uh, before, you know, by the age of 28 um, similar story to you where I was a young man that had a, a child on the way and immediately went to one of the uh, alumni in the fraternity that went through a similar situation. It's like, Hey, uh, what do I do? How do I do this? Like, help me. And from that moment on, he, he mentored me. And I guess what I'm getting to is those mentors allow you to put on a different lens for the world. And they, they, they give you opportunity to see life differently and to challenge you to, to say, Hey, this is what, you know, life is around you, but this is what you can use that life around you to do. Right. Like you talked about how, you know, there's gangs, drugs, and violence around you. But your mentors, your family allowed allowed you and gave you the opportunity through probably advice, wisdom, and guidance to see that differently. That not that it was the 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 primary avenue that you know you might fall into, but it's like this is a part of where you are. But here's some other opportunities that you could you could you could have. You know, your your uncle taking you into those meetings at 10, 11, 12 years old, like the perspective that that gives you the, to understand like how the world works, right? You're, you're sitting in meetings, you're sitting in interviews with executives and, and people that are, you know, they're the movers and shakers in communities right. and being able to get that perspective at such a young age, that's, that's phenomenal. Um, and I think too, I, I, I was thinking about, as you were talking that, that exposure you had at, was it Wisconsin Lutheran high school, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about how you were able to expose yourself um, to to perspectives, ways of living, the way people kind of conducted themselves, communicated, and you, you, you put yourself, you, you earned it, right? You earned that scholarship, you achieved that, and you put yourself into a, a I don't know, maybe foreign land is a, not the best, you know, uh, phrase to use, but to a point, it, it was, it was a place that you really weren't used to experiencing on a consistent basis, but through that wild ride of, uh, of, uh, you know, from the, day you were born. I mean, that, that story is, is crazy, uh, crazy. Awesome. I mean, I, I kind of love like those crazy stories. I get hooked into them. Um, uh, but from that moment to, to where you, you, you grew up living, you know, you poverty surrounded by drugs, violence, gangs, but yet you still found mentors, you still found volunteers and here you are to this day, right? Like you, 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 you're standing and you're, you're more than just standing. You're not just thriving. I mean, you're, you're excelling. Um, based on the story that I've learned. Um, but yeah, just kind of that, that idea of a mentor is so, so powerful because it does, it opens up a lot of doors that you may never have had before. Um, because I think the one thing you've realized, you know, and even saying you, you know, giving it to God, um, I think some people, maybe another, another thing that I think of when people say give it to God is just realizing that this, this, this thing of life is so much bigger than yourself. And you have to realize that there's so many other people that have to be involved, um, whether you like it or not. And the more people you can involve yourself with in a positive way, 
the more good that you're probably going to experience in life or when the, the tough things happen, you have a support group, you have an audience that you can go to to say, hey, I'm going through this. How can we how how can you help me get through this or how can I help you get through your times? Um, but yeah, so far, I'm, I'm loving what I'm hearing. So, OK, so we'll get back to the story here a little bit. So we were basically talking. Um, got out of high school. Uh, girlfriend had the baby. She's working or she or you're working. She's going to Marquette for her nursing degree. So what 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 happens next in the story of Roy? Yeah, so. Um... Yeah, so I worked there for a number of years, and then I ended up being able to build a reputation and a name for myself in the community doing the work that I, I was doing, and I got to, you know, continue to grow in that career, and I was like, wow, this is good. So, you know, the school thing never happened for me, right? The traditional education as far as, like, uh, you know, university, and so um, I ended up working at the, the Milwaukee Violence Free Zone for a number of years. Um, and so I was there for a good amount of time to where I was even, you know, kind of the assistant director of the site at South Division High School. And again, I was really young. I was by far the youngest staff member. Um, and then I was the number two. And, you know, that was that was awesome. And we did so many good things for people. But then I found myself in a situation. So now fast forward, I'm about 25. And uh, I'm now engaged, not to my first daughter's mother, but to my current wife now. Nanette. And so, um, you know, I met her when I was about 21 and we, we were together and then we had a kid together and then we were engaged at about age 25. I, I proposed to her and, you know, I was working so much and doing so, so much for so many people, but I hit a glass ceiling in the sense of, of income, right? So wife now about to have a wife and then together collectively we have three daughters and I wasn't able to provide, you know, especially not the way that I feel like they deserved. And so, you know, I had to make a decision. I'm like, man, what do I do? I don't have a degree. I can't really afford to go to school and start fresh and work like part-time or full-time because of time commitment. And at the time, my fiance, my current wife, my Nanette, uh, she was uh, finishing up her nursing degree. So she was in school and not working 100% full-time. So I was like, man, what do I do? So I was like stuck. I was in a rut. And so I, I had this bright idea of, of joining the military. And so at the time I was working at South Division High School, uh, I was, so my, my nonprofit journey in those, those years from, from uh, the Milwaukee Violence Free Zone, I went from the Milwaukee Violence Free Zone, I ended up working at uh, Journey House. And I, uh, no, I'm sorry, to Boys and Girls Club. I worked at the Boys and Girls Club for a year. I worked at the, um, the Fitzsimmons branch on North, right, 35th and North in Milwaukee, and I worked for their, uh, like, the family share program, and that's how I ended up meeting Denisha, because um, she was, I believe, the COO at the time there at the Greater Milwaukee location, and then I helped parents from all the sites, so I was citywide, and I worked with all the sites, so I met so many awesome people in my, I was only there for a year, and, but I was able to establish some really strong and great connections with people at the, the Boys and Girls Club because I worked with all the sites, helping their parents get their food share, their badger care, and then their uh, child care so that they can send their kids to the after-school programs for free. Uh, well, not free. It was covered by the state. So, um, so I did that for a year, and then I went to Journey House. Um, I, I got an opportunity to go back to South Division High School and be the... Uh, 
the CLC coordinator, so pretty much like their after school and summer program uh, director at their site at South Division, which it was like non-existent. And then in the time that I was there, we built it to like one of the biggest high school programs in the city. And again, now fast forward, I'm at 25 and running this program, working crazy hours, not make, not being able to really provide for, for my family. And so I'm like, man, what do I do? And at that time, I'm wearing, I'm wearing my suits, I'm looking good. And people have this perception of like, oh, man, he's got it going on. Um, and I had it on the, um, I was fulfilled. Life was fulfilling, right? I was helping so many people, adding so much value. But again, I couldn't, I couldn't take care of my home, right? So I was like, I was, I was torn, right? I, I just didn't know what to do. And then I, again, had the bright idea of joining the, the army. And so the, I, I had no experience with the military. I, I didn't have a long history of service members in my family. Uh, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But the reason why I got that idea is there was a recruiter uh, in the cafeteria and I would always send people their way. And I had a bunch of students that actually left and my time as out like successful and doing well. And I'm like, man, like I gave this advice to my students maybe I should follow the advice. And I, I joined the army. And so it's funny because I, I uh, started researching and I found the recruiting office that was closer, closest to me. And again, at the time, I'm a director of the after school and the programs at, at South Division. So I'm wearing my suit and I walk into the recruiter's office in a suit and they all look at me crazy like, hey, hey, sir, are you lost? And I'm like, no, nope, I want to join the army. And then they're all like, nobody said anything for like, it was like a good five seconds, right? And yeah. so it felt longer and I'm like, man, what am I doing? Is this bad? Like, cause they're looking at me crazy. And so one of the guys finally got up and, and kind of talked to me, guided me through. And um, yeah, so, I, but I was very specific in what I wanted. So you hear stories about like my recruiter, like military, like my recruiter told me X, Y, Z thing. I was going to do this job and then I get there and it was none of the stuff. Uh, but I had a great, great recruiter, great experience with that guy. And, and uh, I told him straight up, I said, listen, I want to be strategic with this. I want to join the military, do my time and, and learn some skills so that when I transition, I can get a good job. And I was thinking engineering or medical, right? I'm like, mm -hmm. those, are, those are careers that you're always going to be employed and, and they make good money and I could take care of my family. And so I take all the, the tests and stuff and, and I find out that I was able to choose pretty much any job I wanted. And so I'm a car ride back with the recruiter from, uh, we call it the MEP station, right? Where you take the, the test and everything uh, to, to qualify if you can get in. He was like, hey, you can do anything. Have you thought about what you wanted? And I told him, yeah, medical or engineering. And he was like, have you ever thought of doing intelligence work? And I was like, no, I didn't think I could get in uh, that right away. He's like, yeah, you can. I'm, I'm actually intelligence. And so I was like, all right, cool. Like, well, tell me more. And so he kind of laid it out and uh, was sharing, you know, his experience. And so when I got back and they were looking at the different jobs that were open, it was an uh, intelligence analyst role that was open. And so I took it. And so I, I uh, and this process went very fast, right? I mm -hmm. had the idea in November and I talked to them like right before Thanksgiving. I go take all the tests. And then um, I, I raised my right hand December 13th, and then I shipped out January. So like, this was like a two and a half month process. And I just shipped out right away. Like, I'm, 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 I'm pretty impulsive and I, and I do some big decisions like that, but my wife co-signed on it. You know, she was all about it. 
Um, and so, yeah, I shipped out. I was gone for about like seven months with my initial training and then my intelligence training. And then I got back home because I did reserves, right? So I did the army reserves and because um, I was like, all right, let me do that and then come back and then, you know, start building on my career. And so when I got back, I left Journey House and then I got a job working at, at a car dealership. So I worked there for like a few months because at the time I found out that uh, the army was going to give um, an option for people that have just joined, they could choose their first duty station if they become an active duty member. And um, that's very rare that you get a choice in the military, right? That you could choose. Uh, and it was because my job, there was a shortage at the time of like, they need more people with my skills and training. And so we were gonna go down to Fort Stewart in Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, and my wife was ready to go. We put the packet in. And so I was, my stepdad was a manager at a Ford dealership and he was like, Hey, come work for me for a couple months. You can, you know, make some money so that you can stack up a little bit. And when you move down to Georgia, you have some, some good money to start your, your, your new life. Right. And so as I was doing that, I did internet sales. So I started like a LinkedIn profile and I, I was killing it and I was doing really good. And, um, but I got an inbox from somebody from Northwestern Mutual and they were like, Hey, um, you know, we got referred to you. We thought you'd be a great candidate coming in an interview. And so I, I accepted and I interviewed. I said, hey, you know, I, I've heard of Northwestern Mutual, great reputation, but I'm going to be fully transparent. I put a packet in with the military. If you guys offer me something great, I'll, I'll reconsider it, right? And so I go through the interviews. I end up falling in love with the organization, the team here. And um, this was in 2015. And so yeah, in 2015, I was interviewing and um, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I talked to my wife and she was like, this seems great. You know, and I was, and she was like, the army's always going to be there. If this doesn't work out, we just go anyways. And so in 2015, I pulled my packet out, stayed in the reserves and decided to join Northwestern Mutual, became an advisor. And um, it was awesome. It was a great choice. I'm so glad I did it. It's one of the best professional choices I've ever made. Um, but what happened was six months into me starting my business, right? Cause we're all independent. This is an entrepreneurial venture. Um, six months in, we're doing very well. I got a call from the army and said, Hey, you're getting shipped out. And so I picked up a deployment six months in and I got an incredible experience of doing my job at a very high level. So I was deployed down to Central America and we ran operations uh, down in Central South America. And uh, yeah, we did a little bit of everything. Um, so I got exposure of working with all the three letter agencies, CIA, NSA, DEA, FBI, you name it, uh, some that you don't know about and some that you do. Um, and then we did a lot of counter narcotic operations. So like counter, counter uh, narco trafficking, uh, a lot of terrorist stuff down there and then China, Ru uh, Russia stuff, right? And so uh, being able to ex get exposed and, and running operations at a very high level to where we are directly reporting to the White House. Um, and so it was pretty, it was pretty crazy to be involved in some of the stuff that we were involved because that was the first time I did anything with my actual job and duty. So I was fresh. And then to get into that situation where we're running these operations that were very high level. Yeah, um, that's that's it heavy. Was, it was super heavy, man. And there was times where I was like, what the heck am I like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing down here. Um, yeah. and, and it was because of like, I, I was able to navigate and, you know, again, I was a little bit older, um, professional, 
uh, it helped that I spoke the language. And so I was just given all kinds of crazy opportunities. So I was gone for a year, got back in 2017 and had to restart my business. Uh, and that was a very challenging year for me. Uh, that was probably one of the hardest years that I had to experience uh, coming back and then restarting my business again. But we, we pushed through. And um, yeah, now, man, we're thriving, you know, and, and we're growing and we're doing some incredible things uh, here. And then, like I, like I said, I, I did some incredible things serving my country. So, um, and it was almost full circle, right? So especially the Carter Narcotics, my dad, right? So I actually yep. ran a yep. huge operation in Costa Rica where we took out a major drug trafficker, like a main, a big player. And I was working with the Minister of Defense and all these, like, I mean, dude, like, it was crazy. My mind was blown on some of the people that I was talking to and were taking my advice and were running operations with. Because, again, as at the time, I'm like, man, I don't even have a freaking college degree. And I'm talking with some of the most influential people in the world. And they're looking at me like, hey, what should we do? And I'm like, oh, man. So it was super heavy. Uh, again, at the time going through it, didn't think much. But as a reflect you know, that's where I give a lot up to, to God, right? Because I'm like, there's no way, like, how I'm here still, even after all the stuff that I did down there, um, and the, the things that I was able to do, it, it's impossible that it was just the greatness of Roy, right? It, it was, yeah. it was yeah. something behind that. Uh, and I give a credit to that. And then obviously, the team that we were with. So yeah, man, the two, two lives, right? Uh, real recently, but uh, very yeah. successful both and, and just blessed and so that's kind of like the 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 um the condensed version of of me my life and, and we're here and we're we're doing some awesome things at northwestern mutual yeah you are i was gonna say man yeah your story just from like you, that full circle idea you just brought yeah. up how you know your dad was involved in the drug trade and then you find yourself stationed in central south america basically going to war against that yeah. um and it, but then the other thing too is as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking about how your your life experience really puts you in a position that honestly seems perfect for what you're doing now with Northwest Mutual. And I, what I'm looking at is, you know, everything from that beginning, like your your origin story with your dad and your mom, and then Costa Rica, and then uh, growing up in the in the environment that you did in Southside Milwaukee, being able to find an avenue through. Um, through mentorship, through through sports, through volunteering, nonprofits, and being able to you know to really tie into that. So you had this experience that in a world that seemed not so great, you were able to find avenues to make life great for you, and also try to do it for other people. Um, and then you know you you, you go through uh, as a young man, you know, becoming a father, and then and then figuring out your life situation with a family, um, you know the involvement that you had at that time as well with other nonprofits and the network you were able to build the, the opportunities that you put yourself into, and then you do the military thing. And, you know, I just think about how all those prior experiences, even to what your point was with, uh, you know, you have all these, you, know, you have the white house, you have some big name people listening to what Roy has to say. But when you think of where you come from, how you excelled, how you achieved everything from, just finding the avenue to safe, you know, to 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 safely get out of uh, an environment that I'm sure, again, like a lot of people you knew didn't make it out in the way that that you did, and they probably find themselves maybe still wrapped up in that lifestyle. But now you're here excelling. 
Um, you know, and then one of the points I wanted to make was, you know, you didn't have a degree, but yet they still looked at, you know, the, the words of Roy. But I think that goes back to, it's not always about the degree, right? I mean, I have, I have degrees and I still want to get more degrees, but it's not necessarily about the degrees. It's about the training that you have and the function that you can play and being able to function at a high level, utilizing the training and experiences that you have. And kind of what I'm, I'm picking up out of your story is that you had such a, uh, you had all the right reasons to not be successful from the, the origin to the, 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 you know, South side of Milwaukee, the, the, the environment that you grew up in. I mean, you had all the right reasons to not excel, but yet you, you had the right people in your life and you could have easily, you know, again, you could have easily told these people like, nah, I'm not interested. You could have told your uncle like, Hey, you know, I know you, what you want. I, I know what you're saying. You want me to come do these things with you, but you know, I'm just not interested. I want to go do this. You, you took advantage of opportunities when they presented themselves. You built a network and now, you know, through all those experiences, some wild experiences at that, now you find yourself here at Northwestern Mutual. And I think too, uh, you know, having someone in Northwestern Mutual as well that I, that I go to, I, what I love about everyone I've met it, that does what you do at Northwestern Mutual, and it kind of goes back to what you did as a kid and as a, as a young adult, you really care about other people and you want to help other people. And I think that that's, that's so, uh, that's such a big factor, at least in, in people that I talk to when it comes to achieving success it's pretty rare that their version of success is, is kind of the self-centered idea, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's rarely about them. It, it's about something greater than themselves. It's about their family. You know, like you mentioned, that's why you went to the military because you wanted to provide for your family. You could have easily, easily stuck out what you were doing, but you knew that was not in your best interest for your family and where you wanted to take them in terms of the success for your family. Um, so yeah, it's just a, it's a phenomenal story, man. And I'm really happy I was able to, to have you share that. So now, now I want to do, um, I want to shift gears a little bit and start to, to really break down, you know, the foundations of your success. And I think we've already hit a lot of these points in your story, but trying to tease out a little bit more detail, a little bit more expansion on some of these ideas. Um, so I'm thinking the first place to start with um, is those milestones in terms of success uh, of lessons learned whether that be successes had failures experienced what are some of those um milestones that stick out most to you that really were those 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 tide turners that really seem to put uh life in perspective for you and really guide you to where to where you are now well, that's a good one um more recently obviously the stuff that i did in the military uh that that was a big I owe a lot of the this next, like the phase, the, the transition phase of this uh, portion of uh, this part of my life from the nonprofit to successful in the uh, business arena was 100% like the military uh, and the lessons that I learned through that, <clears throat> the training, the development, the resiliency, <clears throat> excuse me, that was, uh, that's extremely vital to how I've been able to be successful in this role. Um, it's because of, you know, the team effort, right, and, and how we can collaborate. We're doing things in a very unique way here at Northwestern as far as our team and how we're working collaboratively as a unit, as a financial planning team and not as an individual. Um, and so that's something very new, right, uh, in, in our industry. And so we're, we're doing that. And again, I think it's a lot of that has to do with the team thing. And the military taught me 
again, being being a part of something bigger than yourself, um, there's no mission you can go on where you're the reason, right? You're the reason why it was successful. No, it's always a collective unit and a team. And the goal was to make sure you're, the, the guy to your left and your right come back home with you and we're all safe and successful, right? Um, so that that taught me, right? You know, the, the warrior ethos in the mil in the army, right? It's, you know, I'll always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. And I will never leave a fallen comrade. And I live by that, right? And so those four principles um, that I learned in the military is huge. I think that's huge in this part of my life. Um, early on, uh, it was just, you know, watching, you know, people around me, again, the mentors that I had, my parents, change their lives and be successful have them watch them every day not give up and just show up even though it was a grind you know uh, do right you know when no one's looking right Th those kind of things um early helped me get to that position where i can make a decision join the military and then get into a career like northwestern um and and be able to catapult in, into this high-end high-level kind of thinking of success um, that I was able to get to and, and make it through the military, make it through my missions, make it through, you know, starting a, a, a financial planning practice. Um, you know, I think earlier that's, that's kind of what that is that, that helped me. Yeah. So with the idea of mentors, so this is, this is this place where you'll see me, I'll probably pop around a lot yeah. with different ideas. Depends on what you say. Depends what I read on my screen. So for mentors, do you still have mentors to this day? Yeah. Um, I still do. I have, uh, like the, the team here, we have so, some amazing mentors. Um, my manager director is a great mentor and a friend. And then, um, the people that I have, you know, so I, I look at mentorship as a two way street, right? So obviously you always look to get mentored by people that have things that you don't have or have a level of success above yours. Right. Or, or whatever you define, right. Uh, is, is more successful. I think that's, that's a relative term, but you know, you can say, Oh, that person is more successful than me. Let me learn from them so I can get to where they're at. Um, so I have those people, but on the flip, um, being in leadership role here at Northwestern Mutual, I'm also a growth and development director. So I help hire and train and develop new advisors. I learned so much right from teaching, right. You know, and so uh, from teaching and mentoring because those reverse lessons are huge, right? And so I, I look at every opportunity to learn from somebody. But I do have some specific mentors here at the firm. Uh, another really close, good mentor of mine, I mentioned him earlier, is Hector, Hector Colon. He's, uh, he's uh, the president and CEO of Lutheran Social Services. Um, and then we have regular, you know, lunches and, and connects. And, and I just learned so much from him. Um, and then there's other folks that I have that, you know, clients of mine that I get mentorship. I, I got to give a shout out to a good friend, Ariel Kopak. She's, uh, she's like, she's a life coach. Uh, and she specializes working with sales professionals. And she's, she's incredible. Um, maybe somebody that you should connect with too at some point. But she's just, her, her coaching, her ability to connect and just pull stuff out of you uh, and, and reach that next level. She's, she's awesome. So uh, people like that I have in my circle still. And so, and I'm always looking for, for more, right. For more always. And so even if they're mentors, like people that I read uh, on uh, about um, in books and podcasts, I, I consider those people mentors because you get to learn and, and read their, their, their teachings. 
So let's just dive into that real quick. So one of the things I always like to tease out of people is, you know, what are you reading? Who are you listening to? Who are those figures that, you know, probably more of the, the, I don't want to say, I don't want to necessarily use the word well-known, but you know, some of those okay. bigger names, like what, what is it you're reading and listening to? Who are those individuals and what lessons are, and maybe secondary to that is what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned maybe more recently from some of these folks that you've been reading and listening to? So more recently, a really impactful book that I read was The Tools of the Titans by Tim Ferriss. Highly recommend getting that book. It it was awesome because that book opens up so many more lessons and books and and references. uh, Because what that is, for those that that are not familiar with it, he went around and interviewed some of the most successful people across industry and globally and asked them all the same questions. It's like 10 specific questions. And then something that he always asks is, what books are you reading? And so there was so many uh, references off of that. So like if people are looking to start somewhere, I recommend that book. Um, it's thick, it's intimidating, but it's really a very easy read because each chapter is an interview. Uh, some people you will know that are very famous and, and uh, well-known and some that you don't, but are extremely um, successful and have a great story. So that book actually more recently helped me, but I do read John Maxwell. I love John Maxwell's books. Um, you know, I've never read all the other ones, um, but John Maxwell, for me, uh, his style and his approach um, has been, like, for me, the best. Like, I, you know, I read the Grant Cardone and all that, like, the 10x and that extreme. Like, I'm, I'm an extreme guy. I, I go hard. But that type of coaching, for me, doesn't get it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. crush the competition and not, like, that's not how I operate, right? It's more of the John Maxwell approach of like, hey, how do we help others? How do we, how do we create significance in life? And that, that's how I measure that, right? Is am I able to help? How many people am I able to help elevate, right? Not, not am I the only one at the top of the mountain sitting on a pile of money? Like, that's just miserable, it sounds. It sounds lonely. Uh, and in my line of work, I know those type of people. And it's just not, not appealing, right? So I'd rather have a little less but have it be able to uh, celebrate and share that with a a bunch of other people that I brought with me um, as a team. And so that's how I measure it. And that's why I like John Maxwell, because he's he's always talking about the impact, the significance you've had, um, you know, what legacy are you leaving? You know, how are you helping people? And that's how you really create that success. And and that's for me, I, I operate very similarly. Awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say, I've gotten a little bit into John Maxwell lately. Another one, I don't know. So just the military concept, uh, just one person I've been reading a lot of, maybe maybe even too much, I don't know. Uh, uh, Jocko Willing. Oh, yeah, Jocko. I listen to his podcast, too. I haven't read any of his books, but I listen to his podcast pretty regularly. And I follow him on like Instagram. He's got his watch, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always has that watch. I got a, there's a not Jocko Willink that I, I recommend looking for a good laugh every day, too. Okay. It's, a, it's a hilarious <laughs> parody. But but I think, um, and I love, I'm sure we could probably talk a whole, a whole nother session just on like military. Um, but I yeah. think too, uh, maybe that's not a bad idea, but you know, uh, Jocko Willink, David Goggins, some of those guys, I mean, just that, that, that hardcore, but yet it's so simple, right? I think that's something too, that you, now that I'm thinking back, you were talking about the military a little bit. Um, you know, it, it really seems like you, you, you've been able to simplify things in a way where teamwork is simplified, the mission is simplified, and not simplified in, in a way that it's like not complex. It's just, it, 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 it's, it's, it's 
perspective in a way that allows you and your team to achieve whatever mission it is you have. Um, and I say that was something I, I picked up on while you were talking about some of that military and some of the things that you mentioned in the team and how you have that perspective. I just kind of see that that tie because I've listened to so many military guys because I mean, there's a reason why uh, our military is so successful, right? I mean, on top of a, a pretty massive budget, that helps. But you know, you can have all you can throw money at a problem, doesn't fix the problem. Um, so when I when I listen to some of these guys and I, I hear some of your perspective too, I, I see so much uh, commonalities. Um, yeah. Uh, so with obviously, you're a big reader. You're a big podcaster. You like to listen, read. Um, what I want to do is maybe we'll go into like those routines and habits that Roy has. Right. So I think for everybody that achieves success that I've met or people that feel that they're successful, there's, there's a routine, there's habits that are at play um, either like specific habits that I'm going to do this, or there's that habit or mindset that's like, I'm going to avoid that. So like for me on my phone here, I have a, a habit tracker with now, I think it's like nine daily habits that I got to do these every day, or at least I got to put my best foot forward to get them done every day. Cause if I do these, I know that my chance for achieving success today is going to be at its highest. So for you, what, what are those things, those daily, weekly, monthly habits, quarterly habits, however you put it, um, what are those things that you do that you believe help propel you, uh, to continue being successful and to achieve the success you want in your future? That's a great question, right? And so, and it always changes, right? And this is the, it's funny, right? Cause you, you have all these um, influencers, right? Quote unquote influencers and people, we, me and a friend were just talking about this. Like what's getting put out is like, you're at a hundred percent all the time. That's just not, it's not realistic, right? Um, and no one's a robot, so that's not it. But to your point though, creating those habits is crucial because on the days that you don't want to do something where you don't want to get up, in my world where you don't want to make that phone call or follow up or send the email, you got to do it. Right. And so one thing that I live by is always trying to be 1% better every day. Right. If you can increase in, in some way where you feel like you've gotten a win, that's awesome. If it's getting up and working out, going for a run, reading, you know, 10 pages in a book, um, you know, doing something for, you know, my wife or my kids or, you know, hitting a goal at work you know, a, a lot of people like for their breakthroughs, they're, they're waiting for a big event. It, it's never a big event. The big event happens because there was buildup. Uh, a book that I read years ago, it's called Slight Edge. It's a very easy read. I highly recommend it. Um, and what it talked about is the compound effect, right? In the world of investments, the compound is awesome for me. I, I love it, right? Uh, I love talking about it, right? The, the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. And, but that works in life, right? And, and you could either go one of two ways. It can compound to the left where it's not super successful. You can go veer off to the right where it's super successful, but it's a little bit. And one of the examples that uh, the author of that book, Slight Edge, uh, Jeff Olson, I believe his name is, he talked about, you know, I think like heart attacks is like one of the number one killers, you know, in the world, right? Why is that, right? And, and a lot of the times is because, you know, it's, it's unhealthy, unhealthy habits. He was like, do you think if someone were to eat a cheeseburger and they drop dead that people would be eating cheeseburgers? No. Right. Like people would stop eating cheeseburgers, but the cheeseburger is killing you. Right. Not that one, but those 500 that you ate throughout your lifetime, that compound effect, that's what did you in. And it's the same thing with success. 
right? It's those little things that you do, the small victories every day. So how I break down my life and, and what I do in my habits is I do, I create small victories every day, right? So, you know, I'll reflect at the end of the day and say, okay, I got to do X, Y, Z, you know, things that I got to knock out tomorrow. And if I knock out those or the majority of them, I feel great. And then I keep that momentum going. Now there's some days where I don't hit a lot of them for sure. It happens, but it's the resiliency it's to get back up. Every day is a new day. And that's how I look at it. I've had some really crappy days, right? Obviously, like everybody else. But I know the difference between myself and other people that have not maybe had the success that they wanted is I'm still going to show up the next day. It, it's, it's simple, right? And it's, you know, it, again, you get a lot of these flowery, flowery uh, talks and conversations about this is how you become successful. Really, man, show up. <laughs> show up yeah. with the right mindset and you're going to be super crazy successful. Um, you just, it's consistency, right? And, and the, the unfortunate thing is we live in a microwave society, right? Where things got to be insta, insta everything. Yep. And uh, when it doesn't happen, people just give up. And, and I tell myself all the time and I tell people failure, that's really not a thing, right? Failure happens when you quit. Failure is not saying, hey, during that journey while you're going through something that you just had a setback, that's not failure, right? As long as you keep going and pushing, you, you've never failed, right? You've just gotten better. You fail when you just quit, right? And so don't quit. It's that simple. Uh, but it is hard. It's hard to do, right? I'm not sitting here saying I've never contemplated it. I've contemplated quitting a lot of things almost every day. <laughs> but yeah. I just, I got the, the, the mindset of like, no, I got to keep pushing. And so, you know, again, so how I like to answer your question, the habits is every day I, I set up myself, I set myself up to knock out some tasks that I want to hit every day. Um, and I, I have long-term goals, but I, I condense them into like weekly, then monthly, and annual or quarterly, then annual. So I break down my goals in small chunks so that they become, there's an urgency and they become achievable. I don't get overwhelmed if I have one bad day um, because we all have those, right? Those, that's inevitable. To think that you hit a level of success that you'll never have a tough day, that's, you, you actually have more tough days. It's just how, how quick is your resiliency? Uh, does your resiliency kick in or your amnesia, right? To where you just forget about and keep pushing. Um, so, you know, it's not the ability of, you know, success is not a thing where it's like, oh, now you have no more problems. No, it's your ability to handle more problems at a, at a faster pace. So when you get to these levels, it's actually can be more stressful at times. But for me, as I look at it, I embrace it. We have a term in the military, embrace the suck, right? When, when it's hitting the fan, I get excited now. I get pumped up. I get motivated when there's a challenge that, that's facing me because I'm like, oh, now I'm growing. This is, this is going to help me get to the next level. And that allows me to just really handle life a lot better because if the hardest things in life are coming at me and I get excited about them, how do you think I'm going to handle the easy thing, right? It's, it's going to be cake, right? And so um, it's a mentality shift. Uh, but then again, I set myself up with making sure I set up those small victories every day because that momentum's huge for sure. No question. So for you, uh, one of the things that I think about when, especially goal achievement and that, that process is self-reflection. How much does, how much does reflection play a role in, in your, in your process? A lot. And so, and, and more and more, 
as maybe it's age, I don't know, um, age and then just experience of, of appreciation, uh, appreciation of like the things that we've been able to accomplish. So like now me even sharing my story with you, as I'm speaking things, I'm like, oh man, like I forgot about that. Um, and so, and I just, I, I'm like filled with joy because of, again, um, I, I always go back to my faith. Like God has pushed me through, like, again, the story I just shared with you, for, for an individual to do it on their own, again, this is my my belief. It's a belief, right? I'm, you know, not, not pushing it on anybody, but just, I don't think I could have ever done it. Like Roy, the human being, right? No way. Um, so I go back to my faith and just thank God every day for him being able to like guide me through all that stuff, give me the right people, the skills to, to accomplish that. But yeah, like that, that whole reflection piece is massive because I, I learned that throughout the years, um, the two things, right? One, you know, you, you can get off the hamster wheel every now and then. Because when you grind and grind and grind and don't appreciate the, the victories you have in life, you just burn out, right? Mm-hmm. And then, then you experience that regression. Um, so that allowed me to, 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 to level myself out. And then number two, again, keeping that humility, right? Like for me, that's crucial in my life because it's very easy when things are going good to just, hey, man, I'm, I'm the man. Like, I'm good. Like, you know, uh, but the reflection allows me to be like, oh, dang, like Maxwell helped me get, he opened that door for me, right? Or Denise connected me with that person, whoever else, right? Like, that really helps me stay centered and grounded so that, you know, you don't, you just, your head doesn't get too big because that's a hard thing, right? And, and until you've experienced, right, it's, you know, I've grown an appreciation of not, not passing judgment, right? Because unless you've experienced certain things, it's hard to really understand like why someone made a decision to do what they did or act the way they act. And so going through a lot of different things in life, even success, how do you handle success, right? Everybody wants it, but can they handle it? Um, and again, I'm not some great person. And you heard my story. Uh, maybe, maybe a bunch of clients are now freaked out and they're like, oh man, no. <laughs> totally joking. Uh, but you know, it, it's, it, it's the humility of like, no, there's a team that helps you to get to where you need to get to. Nobody has had success on their own. I don't care who you are, I just don't believe it. Um, and so that the, the reflection piece is great on that because you know, to know there were so many people involved in, in helping me and my family get to where we got now, uh, man, I just, I can't, I can't express it verbally uh, how grateful and appreciative I am on that. But that's the reflection piece, super yeah. helpful. I was going to say, every person I interview, there's always a strong component of reflection. And one of the pieces you hit on too was, uh, I I loved it, the the humility, the humility piece, right? And understanding kind of your place and and what you've been doing. Um, A topic that I focus on a lot uh, with with my team, um, ego, right? Ego is such, I mean, that, that thing will cripple an individual. It'll cripple a team, an organization it will build an empire and it'll take it down just as quick as it was built. And what I'm hearing from you is that you have a really good process. I think from the mentors you have to the discipline and skill set you've learned from whether it be your nonprofit volunteering experience as a child, working in nonprofits as a young man, your, your, your lessons learned in the military, right? You learn so many lessons to understand that Roy is not the superhuman. And you will never be, but yet you can surround yourself with the right people. You can gain a skill set 
that can allow you to to find fulfillment in yourself and also help and pull others along the way. Because I really loved what you said before, how you know no one wants to be that person on that mountain of cash, right? And anyone that does, I, I think I, I would say to them, I think you should think about what that really would look like and feel like to exist in that space. And to your point too, you can find people that have been there and you'll learn fairly quickly that that's not a really exciting place to be. I, I recently had a conversation um, with a really, really close person in my life who had achieved that and still has that. Um, and they straight up told me it's miserable, you know? Um, and that's nothing, you know, so it's really admirable because you can see that through all these experiences that you found a way to stay humble, um, to still want to achieve success uh, for yourself, for your family, but more importantly, for your community and your network and your circle. And I think it's a really, and it's, it's really an amazing thing. And another thing too, um, I want to get into next is, you know, you have faith, you have resiliency, you have an ability to keep pressing forward in the face of a lot that could go against you. And I, I kind of spoke to that before, like from your birth to the, the environment you grew up in, um, to uh, a, a position that at when when you when your when your first child was being born, like how old how old were you when that happened again? Nineteen. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you had so many experiences, I'm sure, outside and captured in all of that to to not show up and to not have a good mindset about the next day. And I'm sure there were mornings where you didn't exactly have it, and then you woke up the next day and you figured it out, got got back up on the horse. Um, but I guess what I want to get into is just getting your perspective on, on facing fear and what it is you do to press forward through the what ifs, to be able to take that little voice in the back of your head and tell that thing, nope, not listening to you today. And I hear you, but we're not, we're not going that route. You know, that voice when, like for me, when I wake up in the morning, especially now that it's cold, like, I don't want to go outside and do my, I, I do a lot of walks. Like, I don't want to go out and do my walk. But then I have to tell that voice, like, now, nah, man, shut up, put those shoes on, let's go. So how, how does Roy navigate fear? And how do you navigate that little voice in your head that says, no, don't do this, don't do that, like, it's not worth your time, or whatever it is that you know you want to, or you have to, but yet you go for it anyways. Tell me about that a little bit more in depth and, and how you handle fear and how you handle that, that internal conflict that arises for so many people. That's a good one. Um, so it's my wife and kids. So my wife, Nanette, and my, my daughters. I got three beautiful daughters and an amazing wife who's beautiful and has done so much for me in my life. And shout out to her. She just finished her nurse practitioner degree. So she'll be a newly minted nurse practitioner. Um, nice. And you know, just her story and testimony is incredible as well. She's, she came from, from nothing. Actually, it's funny. We, uh, not to get like off of too much on a tangent, I'll get back to the question, but we actually grew up in the same neighborhood uh, and really didn't know each other, but I knew her relatives. And then we ended up meeting up as adults and, you know, we've been together for over 10 years now uh, and married for like a little bit over half of that. So, uh, but th they're the reason, right? Why I'm able to silence that voice. And, you know, I tell people all the time, that voice never goes away. I mean, I wake up, there's, like you said, the voice is always there. I'm always nervous or scared about something. But how I condition myself is when that voice isn't there, I get anxious. Because then I'm like, oh, like, I must be not, I'm, I'm probably not doing anything worth much now, right? What are, you, what are you doing? And so, you know, it's that courage, right? That 
you know, that the saying is, you know, courage isn't the, the absence of fear, it's just being able to do stuff while the fear is there, right? So just continue to execute. Um, you know, every day when I joined the military, well, I was scared every day. When we go on these missions, I, I was scared as hell. Like, I just, you know what? I was like, you know what? I just got to do this though. I, you know, I got to make this happen. And so you push through and the butterflies are there, the sweat, the anxiety, all that stuff. Um, that's there. It doesn't go away, but you just keep doing it. And then I get to the point where now in my life, I'm conditioned to where when that hits, I almost feel like I got to take action. Right. And that, again, that, that doesn't happen overnight. That, 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 that uh, mentality didn't, I wasn't born with it. It was just years of conditioning, listening to mentors. Again, I, I give a lot of credit to the military because um, you have to do it, right? Like yeah. <laughs> I gotta do, I, I, there's no choice, right? Um, and so that, that really helped a lot of the conditioning on being able to, 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 to ignore the voice. I wouldn't say silence it because it's always there, you know, because I, I feel like when people say that, there's this miss, uh, like a, a misunderstanding of like, oh yeah, I'm going to be successful. And then there's never going to be fear. No, it's, it's always going to be there. You're always going to be, you should be, you should be nervous. You should have some fear. It's healthy. Um, shows that you're human, <laughs> you know? Um, and so uh, for me, again, my, my kids and my wife, um, they helped me just push. And then again, just the conditioning of years of when you get that feeling, that's when you got to make that decision. Just do whatever it is that you said you were going to do. Just do it, right? Just execute it. You might not even be successful your first time. It doesn't matter. Just keep doing it. You got to practice. You know, no, no success is born overnight. Everybody's had to work on everything. And that's, you know, with social media and again, you know, all that, I think that's a, a disservice at times uh, to where people just see the end result. Like even now, people will meet me, have no idea about my history or story and just be like, man, you're so lucky. And I'm like, yeah, I'm blessed, but I don't know if it's lucky, right? Like you got to be in a position to be lucky. You got to put yourself right there, right? And so, um, you know, the journey isn't really told, right? It's not exciting. It's not sexy, right? It's, it doesn't feel good, you know, but it, that's how you get there. So yeah, how I deal with fears is that, man. I just, when I get that that feeling or anxiety, I have to do something. I have to take action at that point. So just do that. Just, you know, whatever you said you were going to do, just do it. Worst, what's the worst thing that'll happen? You're in the same position, right? That's yeah. it. And, and I think too, if you're, if you're strategic, then that's something that I picked up about you since, since the first time we talked, you're strategic, you know, you're breaking it down. You're looking at what is it I want to achieve? Break it down to smaller steps, chewable steps, winnable steps. Um, just, just show up, reflect. If it doesn't go right, reflect. How did it go? Um, I just had, I just had an idea in my mind that I was going to bring into it and it's, it's eluding me all of a sudden. Um, yeah, just, just your, oh, I know what I was going to say. So like the way that you kind of look at fear as you were talking, I was like, you know what, this, this guy's kind of took fear and turned it into something a little bit more tangible, a little bit more objective, right? Because I think fear is this, uh, man, it, it is such an abstract concept that can have a lot of objective type of components, but a lot of subjective. It depends on what we let our mind turn it into. And kind of the way you've kind of talked about fear is that, you, you know, you've, it's like, okay, you have a goal and there's fear surrounding it, but how do I take that fear and make it more objective? Objective, so that way it's not fear. It's more like, uh, like if it's a military term, like this is this is now a threat. 
And when you turn things into a threat or like I thought about it from a sports analogy, if you take fear and turn it into competition, well, now you can strategically plan around what that fear is because you've turned it into something different. I think when people can take this idea of fear and maneuver it into a concept that's a little bit more uh, digestible. Again, like, you know, if you're military, you look at it as a threat. If you're in the, in, in the sports world, you see it as a competition. Well, shoot, now you've made it more, honestly, it's like you made it more human. I think fear, fear has this weird taste of, uh, I'm, the, the, the words I'm looking for are escaping me here, but it's like fear has this taste of so much abstract that it's kind of hard for the human mind to really wrap around. But if we can take it and readjust our perspective on that fear to make it something that's a little bit more you know, human-like, I think it gives us a lot better uh, chance for success. And that's, that's, I feel like you've been able to take fear and just make it something just like your goals. You've made fear manageable. And two points, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, it's 100%. Like, it's an, an invisible enemy. Like, how do you fight an invisible enemy? It's, you, you, it's like a, you feel like you won't win. But, but two things, too, with that is uh, another thing that helps is the humility, right? So the, the humility of being able to work with the team and saying, hey, if, I, if I'm wrong or if I know I don't have the answers, going to people to help you get through that helps alleviate a lot of the fear, right? When you feel like you have to do it on your own, that's scary, like, I just think about that and I'm like, to do this on my own, I, I can't do it, right? So making sure you, you have that humility. And then the other thing to help kind of navigate through that is uh, understand how are you motivated? And I, we, we use the term, are you a carrot person or are you a stick person? What helps you get through those barriers? I found out that I'm a stick person, right? I'm, not, I'm motivated by, uh, by making sure I take care of my family. If I let my family down, that's the worst feeling in the world. That's worse than the fear, right? So I'm a stick person, right? Some people on our team are care people. They'd rather have nice things or a vacation or treat somebody to something as opposed to the fear, right? Like, so that, if you can identify, and it's hard for people to understand, um, and there's some exercises to do that, that again, like my life coaches and people that have helped me, um, but just really think about like, how, what am I motivated? What makes me tick? that's gonna help you navigate through that fear because you gotta understand yourself, right? Before you can you know, start really taking on big things. Yeah, no question. That idea, I, uh, that made me think as a leader, and I'm sure you, you, you can resonate with this. Um, it's hard to lead others if you can't lead yourself. It's right. hard to allow your team to achieve success if you yourself can't find ways to achieve success in your own daily life. It's hard to love others if you don't love yourself. It's hard to respect others if you don't respect yourself. And although I think people can still lead, I think we, you and I have probably both met leaders that, you know, if you looked at them individually, they, maybe they weren't the best leader of their own life, but they still found success. They were able to make up for it. But I think ultimately the, the best, the best hammer on those basics of leading themselves, trusting themselves, respecting themselves. And then they take that to the court, like, you know, to use a, a sports analogy, right? You know, the, the best athletes are the ones that typically they do the basics far better than anyone else. And they do that by being humble, respecting the fact that fundamentals are probably the most important piece to the, to the path of success. And it starts with those small bits, man. And it's never anything big. It's, you know, Michael Jordan didn't get six rings overnight. You know, that took his whole life getting cut in high school uh, and then, you know, making his way to that, you know, to, to North Carolina and then finding himself with the Bulls. And, you know, then to, to your point too, MJ, without that supporting cast, 
could you argue he could have still achieved rings? Sure. I mean, he was phenomenal. One of the most prolific offensive scoring people ever. But he still had to have that team. He still had to have people around him. He still challenged them. Um, but he, but you could also argue that dude practiced the basics, everything from the basics of probably dribbling, shooting, free throws, to the basics of the mentality needed to achieve that level of success. So, um, let's see what else. So, are there any other like when I before this show I kind of mentioned like that idea of like Roy's commandments, right? Are there any other you know uh, staple sayings, uh, things that run through your mind every day? Um, you know, things to that effect that really help guide you day to day? Yeah, so pray, prayer meditation is something that I, I, I look to start the day off always to the point where even on Mondays, I have a prayer call with a, a spiritual mentor of mine. His name's uh, Mark Malwitz. Um, he used to run Basics Ministries. He's now kind of pseudo-retired, but he we have a weekly call like at 10 o'clock every Monday you know, we get on and we're fellowship and we're reading some scripture. We're just, and we're talking about it in a real sense. It's not like Sunday school. Uh, that's one thing too. Like I'm a little not traditional when it comes to my faith. It's, it's a little bit more like real world type of approach just because of what I've been through. Like I've seen so much, like you can't give me the Sunday school lessons, right? Like yeah. there's, there's real grittiness to, to what we're reading and, and, and what we experience as humans. And so we're able to talk like real people and just really, meditate and dwell on that but yeah I start my days off like just meditating uh, getting my mind right praying at a minimum I, I feel like that's crucial that's something that I, I follow all the time um, again I, I kind of touched on this before but to want to beat this dead horse because I think it's important is the humility just knowing that you don't have all the answers knowing that you gotta you, like you want to surround yourself with people that are better than you right I look to be around people that are better than me more intelligent um, you know, not, you know, just have more skills in a lot of different areas than I do. I'm okay with that, right? I don't need to be the smartest person in the room, the most skillful person in the room. I actually don't want that ever. I want to be around people that are so much better than me because it's going to help us all elevate, right? And, and just look to fill in gaps and being vulnerable about that. It's, it's crucial. So, you know, that, that humility piece is, is massive. And then, you know, again, uh, just understanding, you know, what, what motivates you. You know, what is your why? Really dwell on that. So like we do the vision boards and do all that stuff. And that's important because just saying I want to be successful or I want to be wealthy, everybody wants that. I have not met a person that says, you know what? I don't want to be successful, right? I've just not met that person. And just saying that you want it is, that's not enough, right? You have to understand what, what's going to help you get there. You know, have a plan of action, have a team of experts, right? The mentors, all that stuff is important to understand, you know, you and then and it'll allow you to have that plan to, to execute so that you can be successful in, in your own world, right? And everyone defines success differently, which is important. What is it? What is that to you? Right? Understand what is that to you? And, you know, and then drive, drive on with that because, you know, what my definition of success and how I want to get there, it's not going to work for Maxwell, right? You're, it's going to be, we're going to have two totally different plans of action. Even what we want for our families is going to be totally different. But that doesn't mean anyone's better than the other. It's just that's you. That's your individual world. And so you have to understand who you are. So um, that's something that I live by always is just understanding you, reflecting, and then, you know, 
you know, moving forward with it. Don't let others stop you, right? Don't let other people, you know, steal your joy. And then another thing, it's very hard in today's society, but the comparison, right? There's a saying, right? Comparison is a thief of joy. You know, compete with people, right? In a healthy way, have have a healthy comp competition. That's great. I believe in that. But when you start comparing and measuring and doing all that, it's just, you, it'll, you know, it's unhealthy, right? And it does, it, it zaps you because then you have these perceptions of like where you should be or what, you know, X, Y, Z thing. And you get down this, you know, winding road of despair and, and then you're set back big time. So, you know, compete, but don't compare, right? And, and usually compete with yourself. That, that should be the number one person that you want to compete with. You know, beat the old you every day. Again, that's that get 1% better every day is, is a big thing. So, yeah, th those are some of the, the, the other things that I, I try to, to follow. And like I said, I, I meditate and pray. That's the number one thing for me, um, I, you know, because it just gets you centered, focused, you know, and, and you don't just, you don't get lost in yourself. That's a, that's big. A lot of people do. They get lost in themselves, themselves and this, the quote unquote success and, you know, forget where they came from. I always try to stay with my roots, and and that's hard, right? In in my world, corporate America, you know, Fortune 100, financial industry. That is, as you heard my history, that I'm not the cookie cutter guy that should be here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And so there was a lot of learnings, a lot of cultural experiences here that uh, I commend my my leadership here. They they wanted to learn and. I had to learn, and so I think another big thing is um, dialogue, communication. I feel like we're in a in a world where it's very team oriented and try. It's extremely tribal, right? It, we're very tribal more than ever, and um, we have to break that, right? We, diversity, you know, is an awesome thing, and let's embrace it, right? If we're gonna have diverse thoughts and people, we're gonna disagree. Um, or we're going to have to learn new things. We're going to have to, you know, balance each other out. And I think that's something that um, is being lost right now. Um, and we have to have more human interaction, you know, just being able to just talk with people, understand their perspective, like really understand why is someone thinking that way. All right. So for you, um, we've talked a lot about success. Uh, and I think you've, you've defined success in, in more of a, a, I guess, throughout this whole recording, right? But if, if Roy were to break down success and what success means to you, how would you put it? Yeah, for me, it's very simply put, how many people can I help, right? And in, 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 in a number of different ways, right? Not just through my profession and career, like when we talk about financially, but just connecting people with each other. Uh, helping people, you know, support each other and connect with opportunities to support their dreams and goals and businesses. You know, how I try to measure myself is if someone has met me and connected with me and I've been able to help them in some capacity, like that's success for me, right? So I don't, I don't really measure it. You know, obviously I have goals that I want to hit on, on production and different things with my career. For sure, I do that. But that stuff is secondary, for me, how I measured is like, how significant have I been, right? How many people have I helped advance their lives? How many people have I helped take care of their family, um, help others, right? With career opportunities or again, like like someone like yourself, Max, like getting them to 
to your platform so they can share their story and inspire and motivate others. So, so that's really how I, how I operate, you know, and, you know, I would love for my, my family, my daughter specifically, and then grandkids if it goes down the line where, you know, oh man, like I remember Roy, like he helped people. Like he just wanted people to like do better. Like that, that, that would be, you know, the legacy piece essentially not that you know hey he made x amount of dollars or he had this many houses or you know that that's nice but that's fleeting right like how you know what what was the impact how many lives how many lives can we change for the better how, how many family trees can we change and that's that's how i measure it and and some of the the hard part about that is that there's probably people that i've come across that potentially have helped that i'll never know um but i just want to keep doing this stuff and because I've, I've had people from like my nonprofit days come back and thank me and you know I get invited to like baptisms baby showers you know different things um, weddings you know and uh, that's that's kind of like for me that's the best thing like that's the best reward I can get instances in life where people are just appreciative so yeah that's awesome I, I love how you did that too yeah putting together your, you know, your version of success and tying that to legacy. Cause I think, yeah. you know, some people I've talked to, they, it's a separate deal, but that, that version of your, what your version of success is ultimately your legacy. And I love that perspective too, because it's, it's such a long range idea for success, but yet you still found a way to take something that is end of life, right. You know, and hoping that's in many, many decades to come, but you've been able to break that down to what does today look like? And today compounds into tomorrow, which compounds into next week, next month, next year, next decade, to that, whatever that legacy begins, right? The, the moment that you depart, the legacy on the world, you know, I guess ultimately begins. Um, it's really cool how you have such a long range perspective, yet you live day by day uh, with that perspective in mind. It's just, it's, it's a beautiful thing to me. So, um, so my last two things, uh, what's next for Roy? and what you know to cap this off what do you want the people to know and any shout outs you want to give to any people yeah so man what's next that's that's loaded right um oh, yeah. it's awesome it's a good question gets you thinking for me you know i want to optimize what i the opportunity i have here at northwestern mutual so obviously i i do financial planning with folks uh help them solve their, their financial needs and be a resource so I want to continue to do that. And, and my approach with that is coming from the community and background that I, I came from uh, and am from, uh, financial understanding is not, it's not been on the forefront. I feel like we're, the communities are behind the curb there, right? And that's been my mission. And, and most of my book of business is in those communities, which in the beginning of my career was like kind of looked down, down upon and like, hey, you're not going to be really successful. You need to only work with you know, X type of client. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to do it my way. So I did it. It just, it did take longer than some of my counterparts, but we were here, right? We're established uh, and we're going to continue to help people. And so I, I, my biggest focus uh, on the years to come is to help with small business owners and mid to large, right? From coming from my communities, because a lot of times folks in my world will wait till you become successful, then they want to help you. I want to be a part of that journey with people. Um, and so we're building a team here to be able to, to serve you in that capacity where we're going to bring you know, experts 
um, to really help in every capacity there, right? And so wanna wanna help professionalism for my community uh, and then continue to grow our national practice. So, you know, we're operating in a number of different states across the country. My military uh, relationships helped me expand right away early in my career. So we are a national practice. So just continuing to grow that, right? And, and help people across the country. Um, and then the other, the other piece is uh, growing a team here. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm also a growth and development director. So I'm, I'm, help, I'm responsible with uh, uh, hiring uh, and uh, training and developing new advisors. With that responsibility, I have an opportunity to make the decision. Um, I'm one of the few people that are here that help make the decision on who to bring on to the team. And so for me, I want to look in non-traditional places because that's where I came from. I wasn't a paper tiger, right? I was not the person that stood out uh, on the resume like, hey, we got to hire Roy. I had to work my, my butt off to get an opportunity here. And so I want to give more shots to people that um, maybe not have never thought of being in this arena, but would be awesome. And so just like it's changed my life, I want to help change others, part of the, the success or legacy that I want to leave. And so I want to change the face of what financial planning looks like. Um, so that when you see someone like me or other people from different communities, that you're not like, oh, are you really a financial advisor? Because that was the thing, you know, like, or who's your boss, right? Like, so I want to change that narrative, right? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm it, right? And, um, and I'm the expert. I have just as many credentials as the guy that looks, you know, with the comb over. And it's like, I got a comb over too, but um, I guess I conformed, right? Uh, but, you a know, bit, just like, a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. But, you know, the, the suit and tie. And I intentionally, you know, try to be more approachable. Um, like today I'm wearing this Christmas sweater, which I'll give a shout out to my, one of my clients and friends. Um, but years ago, financial advisor wouldn't be caught dead doing this, right? Coming in with a Christmas sweater to the office. Oh my gosh. That's, that's you know, that's unbelievable. You can't do that. You're not going to be successful. And so I, I challenge even growing a beard, man. Like when I first joined, they were like, oh, you can't grow beards. I'm like, mm, yes, I can, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and so I did, and then it's changed, right? So a lot of stuff has changed here, and I, I can I, I can confidently say, like, I had a hand in some of that, uh, but it was earned because I had to be, I had to have the success to be listened to. And so now that I have this platform, I want to leverage it um, to give opportunities to other people like my, that, that were like me that again, never thought about a career in this industry, but it's life changing if they do. And then they'll influence thousands of people though. That's that's what I look at. If I get somebody that's awesome and, and a part of the team, that they're gonna be, yeah, like we'll be successful and, and we'll make money, we'll do all that stuff, that's great. But the thousands of people that that person's gonna be impacting and helping, now multiply that by 10. I will never be able to meet with that many people myself. So that's why I got in the world of multiplying because if I can help hire and bring on more advisors, the, the masses will be changed, right? Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's the what's next for me uh, here at, at Northwestern. And man, I just, I'm always looking to be better, um, always looking to help connect and, and uh, pour into others. Um, so, you know, obviously this year has been really um, unique with, with COVID and not a lot of social interaction, but you know, once things get back out, I'm always at all the events, just looking to connect, you know, so if folks ever meet me or, or connect with me, you know, reach out, have a conversation with me, just to kind of how like we met, 
you know, I don't, I don't judge a relationship based on anything <laughs> uh, like that you have to do with me professionally. It's just yeah. like, if you're a good person and you're wanting to connect with people. Let's do it. Right. Let's, let's help, let's help each other. So that's, that, that's me on what's next. <laughs> that's awesome. And then your message to the people, I always like to end and end the, the, the podcast with, you know, you got listeners tapping in, um, what what do you want them to know? What What is the message that you, so I guess this kind of ties in with legacy, but the legacy of this podcast, right? Like, what do you want to leave people with? What message do you want them to, to, to know from Roy directly that can help them for the days to come? What I would say right now, and what, what's like the, the, the landscape of, of society, I, I always try to share like perspective try to understand perspective of others. Um, Cause I feel like we'll be able to have more dialogue, more healthy conversations and we can help each other more. Cause I feel like the majority of people all want the same thing. We want uh, people to just be in a better spot. We all want to help each other. We just have different methods in how to get there. And there's a reason for that, right? It's our life experiences. And so perspective and, and just be, you know, holding back on the judgment, right? People might do stuff that you disagree with, but, you know, that's one thing the military taught me, man. Like you get thrown in with people from all over, all walks of life. Uh, and some people I highly disagreed with, but then they became my best friends, right? Like uh, if you would ask me before that, I would be like, nah, they, this person probably might kill me, right? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. but it's that, it's that. And I feel like we, we, there's good, like there's more good than anything. It's just we, we're not understand like we're not having dialogue, we're not trying to understand perspective, and we're not giving the benefit of the doubt, right? And so I, I'm a victim of this team, right? I, I've passed judgment on people. I've done all that, right? And so I'm not perfect. I'm not sitting here on a pedestal, you know, kind of wagging my finger. I'm just saying like, hey, let's try to have more perspective on life and understand that people have different experiences. Um, and, and instead of judging, let's try to have a conversation. Because uh, I really feel like that'll help bridge people together and we'll be able to accomplish way more. Because um, that's one thing with even the nonprofit sector that would really turn me off on that um, is uh, in Milwaukee, right? It's very well known, very highly segregated city, uh, even considered nationally. I had a tough time working with, with my Northside counterparts. And I'm like, man, we're from the same struggle. Like, we just speak a different language. You catch me in the summer, I'm the same shade as you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it just looks different, right? And and uh, that was one thing that was really like a challenge, right? And then, but I understood some of it and, and the way that we were able to bridge some of that though was just dialogue. Instead of just having judgment and, and being upset, um, it was just having a conversation and I was able to have a lot of breakthroughs. And that's why I'm very grateful for, for the position I'm in because I get to have just really raw, intimate conversations with people. Um, and I get to share perspective on a lot of different things. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, having that approach will just inspire other people to say, you know what, I disagree with that person like a hundred percent, but let me try to understand why they think that way. Right. And I'll give a shout out to like the Joe Rogan podcast. That's, like there's people that I highly disagree with that are on those things. And there's some people that I do and some people I'm, I'm indifferent, but you hear like the way that they think and why, and some of it, like, I still might not agree with it, but I have a little, little bit more of an understanding and there's not as much anger. Right. It's not like, Hey, right. Cause I, again, I, I don't think the majority of people 
have ill intentions. We just have different perspectives and why we think that way. So that, that's the message that I, I would love to send out to people in closing is just have a conversation with somebody you disagree with, you know, and approach it in a way like that you have as much love and respect as you can. And, and you might not be able to connect with everybody. And even if you give them a shot, they were disrespectful. Hey, then you can write them off at that point, I guess. But, uh, you know, at least try because you, you just don't know. I've, I've had such amazing relationships with people that I thought I would never but I, I crossed that bridge, had the conversation, had an open mind. It's been, it's been awesome and life-changing. Yeah, well, that's a beautiful message to end on. I, I really appreciate you, Roy, coming on today. Um, I know there was a shout-out about that, that Christmas sweater. Let's get this shout-out out there because I yeah, love here. this thing. Yeah, so uh, my guy Rashad Howard, uh, Cream City Printing in Milwaukee, uh, hooked up this Christmas sweater, representing Milwaukee, 414. Uh, and so he has a, a print shop in, in West Dallas, Wisconsin, and uh, it's cool. They do all kinds of printing, but they also have like these cool like uh, print and drink parties. So like if you had wine and canvas painting, like that's a thing, uh, but they do this, right? So it's a cool like uh, little fun thing. And, and instead of the, the canvas being thrown in the garage, you get, you get to rock your shirt, right? Or sweater, whatever it is that you want. So like for me, again, that's always looking to support local. Uh, and connect with as many people as possible. So I want to give my guy a shout out. So I was rocking the sweater today and it's, it's festive. So <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. I was gonna say, I saw Roy and I are connected on Facebook. I saw that sweater and yeah. when we popped on today, I saw it. I'm like, man, this is so, and he gave me that story. It's so dope. It is so cool. So, all right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate the opportunity to to listen and learn from you. I have uh, pages of notes that I need to review and then I'm going to go back over this, but seriously, just, the fact that we got to meet has been a blessing to me. Um, and I hope that this story, uh, your story, the lessons you've learned, the way that you live your life, um, I'm certain that there's going to be people that listen to this and can, can resonate with it. And, and, you know, hopefully, you know, they find their catalyst as I like to, as I like to say, cause that's a, that's what this is all about is as much as I get to learn from it, my, my hope and prayer is that everyone listening in has an opportunity to, to learn and understand that, like you were just saying, everyone comes from a different set of circumstances, different set of life experiences, different set of beliefs and values. But at the same end, we're all the same. We're all, we're all human. We're all going through this journey um, and we're not alone and it's best to go it, go through it with others. Um, so uh, I really appreciate you coming on again. Thank you for the opportunity, man. I really, uh, this has been, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, same, man. I appreciate you. All right, man. Well, take care. And everybody that listened in, thank you. Appreciate you. We'll see you next time. All right. Well, thank you again, everybody, for listening in to this interview with Roy Cambronero. Um, I was in such awe of this story. Um, this journey of his, and it was a lot of fun to talk to him about. And I really appreciate Roy being so open uh, to sharing what he did. Um, Everything from his, you know, the wild origin story, as he called it um, with his, with his father on the run um, in, in, in another country. Uh, Talk about something that you don't really hear each and every day to, you know, where he grew up and kind of the odds he faced to, to become who he is. So I really, 
found his story to be inspiring on many levels. And I, I think a lot of people can take away a lot from this in the, in the idea of you can overcome odds and that, you know, through connecting to your community, those around you, gaining mentors, there's a lot that can be um, gained and in, in just simply understanding others and connecting with others. So in today's episode uh, here, I wanted to share another activity like I did with the Nikisha podcast, and it's something I plan to continue doing forward. I have two activities that I want to share with you. One is a activity called just understanding, and the other is the mentor activity. So in the understanding activity is in essence, I want you to reflect on how much you value in understanding those around you, especially those that have differing viewpoints. What Royce said uh, a few times, which really stood out to me was we basically all want the same thing. When you really drill it down, Democrats, Republicans, you know, different countries, whatever it might be. We all just want what's best for ourselves, our families, and for our communities. We just have different ideas about how to get there. So that stood out to me greatly, and I think it, it, it pushed me to get everyone else to think about how much do you value in understanding other people's viewpoints? Not necessarily that you have to agree with them, but just being open-minded to differing ideas to that of your own. So this, this activity is going to walk you through um, how much you value it and how much do you do it and how can we get you to a point where we can get you better at it. And then there's the mentor activity. In short, if you don't have a mentor, go get yourself one. Um, there are individuals, I'm sure, through your workplace that you can connect with, uh, people that you knew from high school, college, your workplace, family, friends, someone that is able to help guide you in the direction that you want to go. So if you don't have one, go find one. Um, you can get them, you can pay for them, but I think you, the best mentors I've ever had are those individuals that kind of come along the path. Um, but don't hold yourself back from wherever it is you want to go. So in essence, this activity is all about if you have a mentor, are you utilizing them correctly? And if you don't have a mentor, how can we get you one? So uh, again, thank you for listening in today's podcast with Roy. I really enjoyed this one. It was a lot of fun. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, feedback, please feel free to share. Otherwise, we'll see you again next time. Take care.